0: Chapter 4, I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation, just two verses, verses 1 and 2. Paul was writing to Timothy, and he said this. He said, Timothy, I solemnly urge you in the presence, say presence, in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. Preach, say preach. Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently, Think about this statement. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. I've pondered on that sentence all week long. Do you know how difficult it is to correct and rebuke you and encourage you at the same time? But Paul told Timothy, patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. That's my prayer today. That will take place as I speak to you the fourth and final message in this series we've been talking about beneath the surface. Today we're going to talk about presence and preaching. If you will, one more time, pray with me and for me. Father, we thank you again for your presence. We thank you for your word. Lord, the Bible says we're begotten by the word. Your word is what sustains us. So I pray for the next few moments you would remove every distraction and every hindrance that would prohibit us from hearing what you're speaking to us today. I pray that you would anoint these lips of clay, that I would not speak with the enticing words of men's wisdom, but I would speak your word today, and your word would come forth in the power and in the demonstration of your spirit. Lord, we pray today that hearts would leave changed. You would speak to hearts and change lives. Lord, because we've been in your presence and changed by your word today. We'll give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for it in advance. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Elizabeth. For the last few weeks, we have established that in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, we must go further than just surface deep. We must be deeply rooted in our faith and we must know what those roots are. The foundation is the most important aspect of any building, but uh, it's, it's not the most impressive aspect of the building, but it's the most important part. Nobody stops their car passing by a building and says, wow, that's a beautiful foundation, right? But instead, we notice the edifice of, uh, of the structure, but we sometimes often overlook the foundation because without a safe foundation that is adequate and that is able to provide security, strength, and ability, then that building will not be able to stand. As a matter of fact, the foundation affects the building's overall structural integrity. Uh, A couple years ago, you know, Angie and I have built and sold some things over the years. And a couple years ago, we bought some lots in a development that went back to the bank. And uh, the plans called for the original developer uh, to build and, and complete building on all of those lots. But obviously... Even though they lost them back to the bank, they had no plans of building on those lots. We get our plans together, we get our framing package together, we get our workers together and we go in and we start to dig. And the construction guys call me and they say, Sean, you need to get up here. I said, why? They said, you just need to get up here. I go up there and immediately when they started digging, you know what they hit? Construction garbage. Loads upon loads upon loads of construction garbage that they kept digging out, truckloads full. And they said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to dig until there's no more garbage. Are you with me this morning? Why? Because if we don't do that, it will. I said, I don't want any issues with the structural integrity of this building. I don't want any problems with the foundation. And the only way to avoid those problems is to dig past all of the garbage. So you know what we ended up with? We ended up with a building that had 14 and a half foot ceilings in the basement. But I want to tell you something How relevant that is in the church today When we have new converts That begin their walk with Jesus Christ We should encourage them to dig Until they dig past the garbage Are you with me this morning? We have to encourage them To dig past the garbage in their life To keep going Because you can't What's the Bible teach us? It says the wise man built his house upon the rock And when the winds came And the storm raged And they blew against that house That house stood firm because it was on a firm foundation but the one who built their house upon the sand when the rains came and the winds blew and the storm fell the house began to crumble I want to tell you something today it is important in the church that we make sure that people get the right foundation and the only way they get the right foundation is by the unadulterated uncompromising word of God because there's a lot of stuff that becomes foundational in a church that's nothing more oh you may not like me when I say this this morning, but it's nothing more than a bunch of garbage. Is anybody with me? you got to dig past the garbage. Why? Because I want you to have structural integrity in your walk with Jesus Christ. And when you get rid of the garbage, you'll build on a firm foundation. Amen. The foundation is important. And that's why we've been taking the time the last several weeks to take a look at what lies beneath the surface of both our individual walks with Jesus and our church as a whole. What's beneath the surface of Freedom Point Church? We must make sure that our foundation is secure and that it's structurally sound. Because without a solid foundation, we will waver. We'll blow like a leaf in the wind and we'll be unstable in all of our ways. And when that happens, we will have no lasting impact on our world. Our root system matters. Our root system matters. And so I've been talking to you Uh, Through the last few sermons Three sermons That we must remain rooted to certain things And this is the last time I'm going to go through these In person with you They're they're mounted on the wall in the lobby On those clear, clear acrylics But today I'm going to go through them So we can talk about these eight things That keep us anchored to God's will and direction For our church and for our lives And our root system are these things Number one is presence over performance And that is pursuing the presence of God In our worship Not the performance of man Encounter over entertainment. Striving to lead others into a genuine encounter with the Holy Spirit, not to entertain them. Intimacy over industry. Leading others into an intimate relationship with Jesus, not for the purpose of making a name or a profit for ourselves. Purpose over programs. Focusing on God's calling and purpose for our lives rather than the programs that we offer. Servanthood over status. Humbly serving others like Jesus did. Not obtaining status and positions of authority with men. Thank you to those of you who serve on a regular basis. Pleasing God over pleasing man. Listen, our goal around here is not to make the church happy, but to make it holy. Because when the church is holy, then God is happy. And God is who we're trying to make happy. Kingdom growth over church growth. Jesus has called us to win the lost. And when we grow the kingdom, then God will build His church. He's proving that to us time and time again. And last but most certainly not least, Jesus over everything. Jesus will always be the central focus of everything that we do. And we have established... In these sermons, first of all, purpose is foundational for us because we understand that we as individuals and also we corporately have a God-given design and destiny. And when we each understand our purpose, then we'll be effective for the kingdom. Secondly, we have to be rooted to people. People are part of the root system because Jesus showed us that people matter. All people matter matter and that we should give our lives for the sake of people. We should be moved by people. We should take time for people. We should touch people. We should heal people. Not that we have the power for physical healing, but what did Peter and John say to the man that was led, the lame man at the gate? That he was begging money from them when they went by, and they said, silver and gold have we none, but what we have, we give to you. That's how you heal people is giving out what God has poured into you. And listen, I hate to bust anybody's bubble this morning but you cannot say you love Jesus and not love people That's right. I told the 845 crowd this morning, this is more true for them than it is for the 11 because a lot of times they try to avoid a crowd, I said a lot of y'all are here because you don't like people <laughs> you, you'd rather be in a smaller crowd people, have, we have to be rooted to people and then this place, this place is part of our root system. God could have placed us anywhere, but God hand-selected us for this community, and he hand-selected this community for us to minister to. Do you know when our outreach team went out a few weeks ago on a Sunday afternoon, they knocked on the door of about 135 homes in a very close proximity to this building. There are three other churches within a stone's throw from this parking lot, and only about 25 to 35 people told them they went to church anywhere. God has hand-picked this community for us, Last week we talked about the foundation of prayer. We must be rooted to prayer, not just on the bad days, but also on the good days. We have to be consistent about prayer. And listen, without prayer, we're not a church. I said this last week and I'm going to say it again. A church that never emphasizes prayer or a church that never opens the altar for an altar service is not a church. It is a pep rally for religious people. The church, what did Jesus tell the, dis- the disciples when they said, why could we not cast him out? Jesus said, do you not know? This kind only comes by prayer and fasting. Without prayer, we're not a church. We also said that we must remain rooted to Pentecost because it's our hope of freedom and change in the community. And the real deal is always worth waiting through the counterfeit. I'm excited. I don't have time to get into the analogy I shared last week. If you didn't get to be here, go back and listen to that about the diamonds. The real deal is always worth waiting through the counterfeits. I'm excited about next week when Bishop White will be here to preach on Pentecost. But I want us to conclude this morning in this series by examining the last two roots that we are firmly connected to. And those are presence and preaching. I want to talk right now about presence. In the book of Exodus, chapter 3, I'm going to read several verses out of this book and they'll have them on the screen. For you, Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. To look upon God Drop down to verse 13 Then Moses said to God Indeed when I come to the children of Israel and say to them The God of your fathers has sent me to you And they say to me What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses I am who I am And he said thus You shall say to the children of Israel I am has sent me to you Go over to chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. Then Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and I'm slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, Who's made your mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now, therefore, go, watch this, and I will be your mouth and teach you what you shall say. This account that we are reading here is the account of a man who had just experienced the presence of God. And it helps us to remember that this man, Moses, was a forgotten man. He was a broken man. He was a man in pain. He was a man with a marred past and he was beyond his past, he was without much future when suddenly in that condition that he was in, he had a genuine encounter with the presence of God. The burning bush encounter teaches us some things about the presence of God. If you're taking notes, this is where you want to write them down. Number one, God's presence stops us. When you come into a genuine encounter with God, it will get your attention. When you see something different You'll stop and you'll take notice And I believe it is essential here that we have the presence of God in our lives But also in our church services Because the people that we come into contact with And those who will walk through those doors right there Will come in broken Are you with me? They'll come in in pain They'll have regretful pasts and things they're ashamed of. And they may come in minding their own business and going through the motions of normal life and expecting the same routine things. But when they see and experience an authentic, genuine encounter with the presence of God, it will stop them where they are and get their attention. Sure. Sure. They may notice, and we've got some folks, some talented folks here that do a lot of things. They may notice our cool, new, updated logos that Trevor's all the time doing on social media. They might notice you in your cool, what is it called, custom colors or whatever they're called, uh, FP t-shirt that they're selling at the coffee bar. They might see your FP coffee mug that you're posting, drinking your coffee on social media. But you know what? None of that will change them. But if they get to the house of God and when they get to the house of God they encounter something that's genuine and authentic and a presence of God it will stop them in their tracks and change their life. The presence of God. The only thing that can do it is the presence of God. Folks, we live in a busy, self-centered society. And God's presence is the only thing That will get their attention Now listen to me this morning Nicholas is on vacation He does a great job leading our worship team and band But our music Won't get their attention They can get good music Down at the club Or they can get good music At one of the concerts at the arena But you listen to your pastor this morning When our music is bathed in and drips with worship. In the presence of God. It will stop them in their tracks. It will penetrate the darkness. It will do what the song just said. Jesus. Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Donald didn't even know what they were singing this morning. But Jesus, you silence fear. Jesus, Jesus, the only thing that will change them, the only thing that will uplift them, the only thing that will encourage them, the only thing that will penetrate through everything that they're struggling beneath is the power in the name of Jesus and the authentic presence of God. Secondly, God's presence cannot be ignored. When the presence of God comes, and we read throughout this book and we find it in the form of a rainbow in one place, in the form of a cloud in another, in the form of a dove, and in this instance, in the form of a bush, when we come into His presence, it gets our attention, and we can't ignore it. You can ignore a song. You can ignore a worship set. You can ignore a sermon, but you cannot ignore God. The genuine presence of God removes our attention deficit. That's a struggle in society today. Suddenly, when the divine presence of God invades our space, we have to acknowledge it. Now You know what it's like to be in a service that has no presence of God. Does anybody know what that's like? I'm about to preached to some of us this morning. You know those services. That's where the people next to you are doodling. Or they're playing on their phone. Or they're filing their fingernails, ladies. (laughs) Or they're planning the grocery list for after church. Or some people do a good job catching up on their sleep (laughs) when there's no presence of God. But when the presence of God enters a room, right. Right. you'll sit up on the edge of your seat. Sometimes you might be afraid to move. Right. Sometimes you might be afraid to breathe. Sometimes you might be afraid that you're going to miss something right. if you. Don't watch and see what the presence of God is doing. Can I tell you something this morning? We need. And I said the word need because I meant the word need. We need the presence of God in our lives and in our church. The next thing that God's presence does is God's presence strips us. Did you notice that he said, take your shoes off, Moses? See, I thought about that this week, and here's what I think. Our shoes mask our ugliness. I got to thinking about my feet. My toes are long and crooked and ugly. Now, I hear there's this thing, and some of y'all are getting grossed out just with me saying that. They're really clean, though. I promise you that. They're always clean. But you can't change the... Long toes and the crooked toes And just the ugliness By and large, most feet are ugly Now some of y'all are up into some weird stuff (laughs) Up in here Because I hear that they're selling pics of feet Right? On certain websites I want to tell you something this morning This is all I got to say about that If feet do that for you you got some deeply rooted problems, brothers or sisters. By and large, our shoes mask our ugliness. In fact, most people are hesitant to touch them, right? You just let me call a foot washing. See how many people show up. God's presence. Why did God say that to Moses? Take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. What was God saying to Moses? God's presence was forcing Moses to expose his ugliness. I'm about to preach right now. It forces the ugly areas of our life out into the open. And just as it did for Moses, the presence of God, the real, genuine, authentic presence of God, will bring us face to face with our own weaknesses, with our lack of holiness. What happened in the book of Isaiah? The Bible said when the, he saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple, that train represented the presence of God. And when the presence of God began to fill the temple. What did Isaiah do? I tell you what, he didn't do. He didn't act like a bunch of self-righteous Pentecostals today. What he the first thing he said was, when the presence of God filled the room, Isaiah said, woe is me. He began to get afraid. He began to get a fear. I would to God that we would have a presence of God in our services today that the devil would fear and he would tremble at the presence. And the power of God. He said. Woe is me. What did he go on to say? He said. For I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell amongst an unclean people. The first thing the presence of God will make you do. Is realize how unholy. And how unrighteous you are. It strips us of all of our secrets. Our facades. It destroys the game of charades, and it unmasks us. I said this in the 845 service, and I'm going to say it again because it wasn't in my notes, but I owe you the same thing I give them, and this is what I said. I am sick and tired in the church today. I'm not talking about people in this church. Actually, I'll just be No, I won't say that. But I'm talking about in the church today. I am sick and tired of seeing people who play charades. And they play games. And they put on a mask When they're with the religious folk And then they do other things that this Bible speaks against Are you with me this morning throughout the rest of the week? I want to tell you something this morning If you're a different person on Sunday morning Than you are on Monday through Saturday What you have experienced is not the genuine, authentic presence of God Are you with me this morning? You cannot live both ways You cannot have it both ways You cannot serve two masters This book tells me Be ye holy as I am holy God is tired, I believe And fed up with people that play games And charades And mislead other people With facades What did the Bible say? Let me just go on and read this Luke chapter 12 verses 2 and 3 Here's what it said For there's nothing That will not be revealed There's nothing hidden That will not be known Therefore whatever you've spoken in the dark Will be heard in the light And what you've spoken in the ear In the inner rooms will be proclaimed On the housetops I want to tell you something this morning I don't even know who I'm preaching to But you cannot hide who you really are When you get in the presence of God Number four, God's presence produces reverence. I could preach a whole sermon on this. I don't think I have to convince you of this truth. We live in an irreverent society. What used to be considered inappropriate when I was growing up in church is now just daily conversation material. What used to be unsaid is now on the public airwaves. What we used to not laugh at, now we just gladly chuckle and laugh at. What used to cause us to blush and embarrass us, is now nothing more than a joke. What we used to honor, we now ignore. I want to tell you something this morning. Your calling, your ministry, whatever you do for God, you better honor that place. What do you mean pastor? I mean if you sing on the worship team. Or you preach the word, you better honor the pulpit. What we used to honor, we often now disregard. This is not, we don't established it in our core values. This is not a house of entertainment. Let me say that again. This is not a house of entertainment. This is a house of encounter. We don't want to entertain you. We want you to encounter the genuine power in the presence of God. Why? Because God's presence exposes and disposes of our excuses. See, we've all got weaknesses. Moses' weaknesses are exposed, but also so are his excuses. It was in God's presence that all of his excuses that we make in life were exposed for what they are. You know what they really are? They're they're stalling techniques. In fact, what really happens when we come into God's presence is that, of course, we clearly see our failures. We should We clearly see our weaknesses, our issues, but then God refuses to leave us there and we find strength for our weaknesses. What are you talking about? Moses said, even before you touched me, he said, I I, I can't speak well. I got a stuttering problem. I can't speak before those people. What did God say? God said, I will be your mouth. You know what's wrong in the church today? We're trying to do things in our own ability. God said, who made your mouth? I made your mouth. You say, I can't sing on the praise team. God said, who made your mouth? You say, I can't greet at the front door. I'm, a, I'm shy with people. I don't like people. God said, I'll, I'll be that in you. I'll help you love people. I'll help you smile and welcome people. Whatever God calls you to do, he will enable you and equip you to do it. But you have to answer the call first. He said to Moses, I'll be your mouth. And without the presence of God, you know what we keep doing? We keep making excuses. But without His presence, we continue to do something I preached on several weeks ago. We sit on the sidelines and we do nothing. But if we don't do everything that we must do to ensure that God's presence is in our lives and in our services, listen to me, people will come into contact with us and they will come into this church and they will walk out the same way they came in. But when they encounter the presence of God, Not the presence of Sean. I can't help you. You might have came here this morning looking for me to help you. I can't help you. You can't help me. But I can point you to one who can help you. I can open up. And give you a word. You want somebody to give you a word? God gave you a whole book full of words. I can open up some scripture and give you a word that God said. I can lead you to a place where you can encounter the presence of God for yourself. And when you do, you'll quickly discover what God can do for you is far greater than what I can do for you. Five seconds in the presence of God can do more than five hours in the presence of any man. When people come here, I don't want them to walk out and go back out the same way that they came in. I want to see them changed by an encounter with God. Number six, God's presence reveals who God really is. If you have never been in his presence, you may think you know who he is. You may have ideas about who he is. You might have even been taught who he is. But the moment you really walk into the presence of God, you will get an epiphany of what God and who God really is. He is the I am that I am. Moses asked God who should I say is sending me and God gives Moses a revelation of who he actually is and he's saying in my presence you'll discover that I am whatever you need me to be. Y'all remember a few weeks back I sang an old fashioned song cuz I know whatever I need that's just what he is. I want to tell you this morning if you need him to be your mouthpiece, he is. If you need him to be your provider, this book tells me he is Jehovah Jireh. God is my provider. If you need him to be your protector, this book tells me he is Jehovah Nisi. He is your banner. If you need him to be your peace, could anybody use some peace in this world today? If you need him to be your peace, this book says, I am Jehovah Shalom. If you need him to be your healer, this book says, I am Jehovah Rapha, the God that healeth thee. If you need him to be your holiness, because you're messing up and failing all the time, that's okay. This book says, I am Jehovah Mekadesh, I am the God who sanctifies you. If you need him to be your deliverer, he'll be your deliverer. If you need him to be anything for you, whatever you need. When you get in his presence, that's what he'll be. Number seven, God's presence will cause us to walk in power. Moses, who couldn't even speak before, now stands up before Pharaoh. He's crushed by low self-esteem. Before, and now he's confident. He was a sheep herder before, but now he's a miracle worker. Listen, I want to tell you something this morning. You're not a part of miracles just because you do the church thing. You're not a part of miracles just because you have your name on the roll or you filled out a membership form. Well, I didn't get much help on that one. You're not a part of miracles because you listen to somebody worship. Are you with me this morning? Or you listen to somebody preach. Can I tell you something this morning? If you'll worship, you'll get in His presence. Let me say that again. If you will worship, you will get in His presence. You may say, Pastor, there ain't no need for all that. I want to tell you something this morning. You want in His presence, you'll learn to worship. What does the Bible say? The Word says, God inhabits, what's that mean? Comes to live, comes to dwell. God inhabits the presence, the praises of His people. So, what does that mean? God's presence will come where the praises are coming from His people. I came to, I don't even know who I'm talking to, but I came to tell somebody this morning, you may be down at the bottom. You may feel like you've hit the valley but if you'll just lift your hands up if you'll just begin to praise if you'll just begin to worship if you'll just begin to lift up the name of Jesus God said I'll send my presence where my praises are. We need His presence. Miracles only come because you've been exposed to and live in the presence of God. We need His presence because We need to walk in His power on a daily basis. Listen, I want us to be a place where people come not just to hear good music, but to see, to feel, to experience, and to kneel in the presence of God. I want to be those people. People used by God to bring hope and pull out destiny in people. There's been some people I have watched with my own eyes come into this church. Story upon story that I could tell you addicted living in homosexual or lesbian lifestyles addicted to drugs, addicted to alcohol living promiscuous lifestyles you name it, I've seen it but you let, I can't change them but you let them get in the presence of God And you watch God do the work. And then you'll have some. We've got several of them. I call one by name a lot. But we've got more than one. You've got people walking around here that are a living, breathing testimony of what the power and the presence of God can do. Listen. We have to expect God to show up. You come to church looking to be offended. You'll be offended. You come to church looking to find somebody doing a ministry or a job that's not perfect. You will find it quickly. You come to church looking to find fault with the methods maybe that you use. Let me tell you something. I, I know about methods. Uh, and, and what are you talking about, pastor? Some people, I mean, I remember the days when people used to get offended because they started singing off the wall. Anybody remember that? It had to be in the red back hymnal or, or they got offended. Then we had the days that if you dim the lights and then you stage lights, then those people were offended. Then, then we had the time that uh, if you uh, didn't do, do something a certain way that somebody said, then somebody else is offended and that's not God's way. Let me tell you something. Not a one of you know what God's way is. Let me say that again. Not a one of us know what God's way is. What we're supposed to know is God's message. And I don't care what method we use. As long as the message never changes and the message is still the same. Then the power of God will dwell in God's house. And God will do what only God can do. We need to come expecting God to move. One person noted in any church service. Listen to this. And i got to hurry. The congregation preaches more than half the sermon. 50% of it is on you. You didn't know that did you? The congregation preaches more than half the sermon. The congregation brings an atmosphere with it. That atmosphere is either a barrier through which the preached word can't penetrate, or there's such an expectancy that even the poorest sermon becomes a living flame. See, I would preach better if y'all came expecting. How did you come to church today? Ask yourself that question. Did I come expecting to receive from the Lord? Preaching, very quickly, I'm going to move through these. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones argues convincingly that in many ways it's the departure of the church from preaching that is responsible in a large measure for the state of modern society. The church, having abandoned her real task, has left humanity more or less to its own devices. I believe that statement so very much. We must remain rooted in preaching because the power is in the proclaimed Word of God. I want to remind you of the power and the absolute necessity of preaching that we're told about in Romans chapter 10 verses 14 through 17. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they're sent?' As it is written, how beautiful are the feet. God's got a sense of humor. I've been talking about feet. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things, but they have not obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed I report? So then watch this. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing what? The word of God. I want to make a few points very quickly. Number one is this. No preaching, no faith. You take away preaching, there's no faith. If they don't hear the word, there's no faith. Preaching is powerful because it produces faith in folks, in the word of God. We must take a stand on the word and believe in faith. Preaching plays a part in our faith. Number two, preaching is not just my job. I'm going to say that again. And I'm not talking about other jobs I have. I'm talking about preaching isn't just my job. Preaching is also your job you're called to preach whoa now wait a minute I ain't called to preach you're called to preach you're called to share the good news see every gift has a capacity your gift might mean that you're only called to preach to one or two at a time while another person's gift may contain the capacity to speak to hundreds of thousands but we are all called to proclaim the good news of the gospel and the most powerful preaching does not happen on Sunday the most powerful preaching Happens on a daily basis When you live your life It's important How you live your life Are you with me I said it's important Church folks How you live your life It is important How you treat the people at Walmart Now you're looking at somebody Who despises Walmart But I'm nice to the people In Walmart It's important how you treat the people at the grocery store. Church folks, it's important how you act today at the restaurant when you go out to eat. And that little server who's breaking her back to try to make ends meet doesn't tickle your fancy. It's important how you treat her. It's important how you live your life on a daily basis, you are a part of the preaching team of Freedom Point Church. Mark, Mark chapter 16 verses 15 through 20. And Jesus said to them... Them, his disciples. He said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they shall cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. Uh, I'd like to have all the signs in this church except that one. Praise the Lord. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, what does that mean? That means if you come across a serpent. You know what? I showed a house yesterday in Barberville, and I went to unlock the the door and the house was vacant and you know what was and I was showing the house to a new uh, Union College baseball coach a guy that's about four inches taller than me he's supposed to be a man's man are you with me he was in the front and I got the key and I was gonna unlock the door and let him go in and while we were unlocking the door he looked down and saw a three-foot snake skin right next to the steps where the snake had shed its skin he looked at me and he said after you because <laughs> the house was empty uh, That means, though, that if you come into contact with anything dangerous, God will protect you. Are you with me this morning? We're not preaching on, uh, don't know. nobody bring their friends, their little reptile friends to church. We ain't about that up in here. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Verse 19, so then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven, and he sat down at the right hand of God, and they, who's they? The disciples went out and did what? Preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Did you know that of the 112 times in the word. uh, The 112 times the word preached is found in the New Testament. And only 6 instances out of 112 were, were talking about a formal discourse or a sermon being preached. The majority of the preaching, 106 times, was about a message being declared in another way. Your life. Should preach the word. What does the casting crown song say? Let my life song. Sing to you. As they come to the music this morning. Last but not least. Preaching must be biblical. I said preaching must be biblical. I want to make sure. That we are rooted to a particular kind of preaching. And that's biblical preaching. The whole counsel of God's word. Not just the comfortable parts. I had a. A Baptist lady who's been a friend of mine for many, many years messaged me a couple weeks ago after a sermon that I preached. And she said, she was so encouraging. She said, keep preaching the word. Well, there's Brother Glenn Wilson. I just now spotted him. He's a preacher of the word. It's good to have you, Brother Glenn. She said, keep preaching the word. She, you know what she said? She said, you may skin our hides at times, but God's word should skin our hides. See, we live in a church world that people want to get offended by the preaching. And we live in a church world where church leaders, a lot, many of which by and large, will shy away from preaching the whole counsel of the Word of God because they're afraid somebody's going to get offended. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Now I believe I love church growth, I love seeing the building full This is a great crowd for a holiday weekend I'll be honest, more than I expected But I want to tell you something My number one goal Is not to have a thousand people in the church I'm not against a thousand people But if I'm going to have a goal about numbers It's going to be that I take a thousand people to heaven with me Are you with me this morning? That's the goal That only comes from preaching The whole counsel of God's word God's work is sharper than a two-edged sword. That means sometimes it will cut us. If you come looking to be offended, you'll be offended. But if you come looking to say, whoa, that hit me. Forgive me, Lord. Help me mark up to that word. God will prove his word. Stand with me all over the room. Isaiah 55 and 11 tells us his word is powerful and it never returns void. Ephesians chapter 5 tells us we're cleansed by the word, the washing of water by the word. In Psalm 119, we read that it's the light and life, and it shows us how it directs our path and shows us where to walk. Romans chapter 15 says we're comforted by the word. 2 Timothy, that's a good one to read. 2 Timothy in the book of Proverbs, you know what they'll do? Teach you how to live. Psalm 119, it'll keep you from living in sin. See, I'm rooted to a lot of things in preaching. I believe we ought to be relevant with our preaching, but not at the cost of the word. Did you hear me? We could be relevant and still preach the uncompromising, unadulterated word of God. Creative preaching. Preaching should never be boring. Convicting preaching. We should never be able to hear God's word and remain the same. Growth and change should always accompany the preaching. Passionate preaching. Listen, if it doesn't move me, it's not gonna move you. We should be passionate in our preaching. And last but certainly not least, lived out preaching. Preachers, if you ain't living it, you're only fooling yourself. You're not preaching. You gotta live it if you're gonna preach it. So I'm asking you as a church to become rooted to God's presence. And become rooted to preaching and the whole counsel of the Word of God. I want to challenge you today, first of all, I never want to preach a sermon that I don't give an invitation. And if you're here, there's a room full of people right now, if you've never accepted Jesus, there's a room full of people right now that can testify, church, will Jesus not be the best decision they'll ever make? We've been in a season where we've been seeing multiple people saved. And I thank God for that. If you're here today and you're not saved, don't leave this place without choosing Jesus. But I want to challenge all the rest of us. Let's make sure we got a relationship that goes farther than surface deep. Let's make sure we're rooted and we're grounded. I challenge you to help me make sure that when we come into this place, we have His presence. Because His presence is what makes the difference. I challenge you to take his presence from this place and into your everyday life. Let it catch people's attention. Last but not least, I challenge you this morning to let your life preach. So I want to ask you right now. We do something around here that we call altar service. Because I told you, a church that doesn't pray or make time for prayer is not a church. I believe almost every one of us in this room today could find a place in this altar and pray and say, God, help me. This is the conclusion of this sermon series. God, let me take a good long look beneath the surface and make sure I've got my foundation right. Because you know what I want you to do? Because here's reality. Even new converts, let me tell you, the rains will come. The storm will blow. The wind will rage. It's only a matter of when it will happen, but when it does foundation is stable you'll stand firmly rooted planted and grounded in what God has for you so I'm asking you right now as they sing this altar's open I want as many people that will to join us this morning for a time of prayer in this altar and ask God God help us look beneath the surface